Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. This week we learned that the Saw is family in the long overdue part two of my Texas Chainsaw Massacre series review. While the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was built from the ground up as a horror film, you may be surprised to learn that its sequel wasn't as concerned with scaring audiences as it was in making them laugh. And this remains my biggest takeaway from the sequel, is that other than Leatherface and the Sawyer family returning, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 has almost nothing in common with the tone of the original, for better and worse. Released in 1986, a whopping 12 years after the release of the original, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 remains one hell of a jarring tonal shift for a slasher sequel. Toby Hooper would return to direct what is rarely the case when it comes to slashers, but perhaps this was due to the decade plus since the last installment. Unlike most slasher franchises of the era, Texas Chainsaw Massacre wasn't churning out sequels on a yearly basis. Screenwriter L.M. Kit Carson was brought on, and from the outset, the creative team decided that they had to ensure the sequel was just as outlandish as the original, but in a different way. The sequel opens similarly enough to the original, with rolling text as a narrator describes the atrocities of the original film. We learn that Sally, the only survivor of the first film, wound up in an insane asylum after the authorities didn't find the evidence to back up her claims of her and her friends being sawed to pieces. Yet we learn that a series of chainsaw deaths have occurred across the state, though no leads as to the culprits have been determined. And this is where comparisons to the original and the sequel end, and the jarring tonal shift of the films begins. The sequel begins with two drunk yuppie teens racing down a Texas highway, one firing a gun at signs they pass, while the other harasses the local radio station DJ, Stretch, over a portable phone. The teens' rambunctious off-the-chart energy is so at odds with the more subtle volume of the original that it's a fitting opening that informs the viewer that this is a new tonal take on a Texas classic. During the course of the yuppies racing down the highway, a pickup truck pulls up alongside them, and a figure wielding a ludicrously long chainsaw stands in the trunk bed, hacks them to pieces while Stretch listens helplessly through the phone. This opening is not only important in establishing the film's new tone, but also to display its increased budget and refined technical talent of its crew. Notably, Tom Savini was in charge of the film's practical effects, and his signature touch of frighteningly realistic makeup and bloody effects is apparent from the opening moments. In addition to including Savini's technical prowess, the amount of stunt coordination required to pull off this opening scene feels like the personification of Everything is bigger in Texas, given the limitations of the original in terms of stunts. The yuppie teen's death leads to the introduction of Texas lawman Lefty, famously played by Dennis Hopper. We learn that Lefty is the uncle of Franklin and Sally, and has been tracking the grisly chainsaw murders across Texas. It doesn't take Stretch, played by Carolyn Williams, long to track down Lefty and to play him the recording of the teen's death before the two hatch a plot to draw out the killers into the open for Lefty to take his sought-after revenge. Given Hopper being a megastar in this period, I was a little more than surprised to see him show up in a slasher sequel. According to those on the cast, Hopper applied his signature brand of method acting to the sequel, with Savini claiming that on multiple occasions, Hopper would spin around in circles to make himself dizzy before shooting to give him a crazy look in his eyes. His performance is at odds with the rest of the cast due to his character almost being the only one that isn't aware he's in a horror comedy. His righteous quest of revenge for his niece and nephew leads him to hunting down the Sawyer clan at an abandoned amusement park that he ends up trying to collapse by sawing the support beams. Lefty's no-bullshit attitude is so at odds with the ludicrous Sawyer family members' banter and gags that Kit Carson cooked up that it makes for a very odd contrast 
that makes the entire thing feel that much more absurd. This absurdity spawns from the film's overtly dark humor. Instances such as the Sawyers winning first place in a chili contest when we all know what their special ingredient is. It's people. That's the special ingredient. If the original film was a representation of Hooper's feelings on the particular dark nature of America in the 60s, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is Kit Carson's rip-roaring laugh at the 80s expense. Even for as serious as Lefty's character is, we get an absolute batshit insane segment where he slashes the ever-loving shit out of a tree stump with a recently purchased chainsaw as the store owner cheers him on. Like I said, pretty ludicrous from A to Z. While I understand the intention was to make a sequel that was just as outlandish as the original, but in a new way, applying a comedic slant to one of my favorite horror films of all time just doesn't really work for me. Sure, the film has its moments that I can't help but laugh at. I just wish that this level of enthusiasm for jokes was applied instead to a new unique take on the horror of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's glimpses of the bloody carnage of the original, like when Leatherface makes stretch her own skin mask out of her friend LG's face, which is certainly reminiscent of the original. But then, the narrative branches off in a direction that just simply doesn't do anything for me. That narrative being Leatherface falling in love with Stretch. This fomance stems from Leatherface initially attempting to kill her at the recording studio, only to instead become infatuated with her. This leads to a long, drawn-out segment where Leatherface prods at Stretch's groin with his chainsaw as he licks his lips. The moment ends with him carving into a bottle of soda, spraying Stretch in soda as she screams. It's not a very subtle metaphor, nor is it supposed to be, as this is clearly done for comedic effect, but this kind of humor elicited little more than a groan from me. While overall I was not a fan of the humor, nor it being the focal point of the film, the sequel manages to introduce a new villain that manages to outshine even Leatherface himself. We're introduced to the sadistic Chop Top, iconically played by Bill Mosley. Chop Top is Leatherface's crusty and disheveled brother who has a metal plate in his head from an old Vietnam War injury. Never would I have guessed that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series would have a character that could give the depravity of Leatherface's human skin mask a run for its money. Not only supporting a pair of chompers that are yellower than the Beatles submarine, but Chop Top's metal plate being exposed through his skull is stomach churning. The grotesque cherry on top of his character being his compulsion to eat bits of his scalp that he scratches off with a hot coat hanger. Pretty fucking revolting stuff. But what separates Chop Top from the other humor-centric characters is that he still evokes the depravity that Leatherface had in the original film. While his hippie persona and nonsensically hilarious insults such as lick my plate you dog dick, Chop Top abides by the film's humor, but still remains very true to his horror roots. As he gleefully bashes in LG's skull with a hammer and actually tries to kill Stretch instead of Leatherface, who continues to fawn after her for the rest of the film. In a film where I find little redeeming qualities, Chop Top is absolutely a highlight who I hope returns in Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 sequel. I have to give Hooper credit for taking a swing at a sequel that embraces its lunacy and really clicks for a lot of fans who wanted something new. Humor is subjective, so I'm not going to get on a soapbox and claim that I have a more refined palette or whatever. And on some level, I enjoyed bits and pieces of the film's Looney Tunes mentality. I mean, Dennis Hopper gets into a chainsaw duel with Leatherface for Christ's sakes. But I'm also aware that my love for the original film interferes with approaching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 objectively. I can't help but want more of the horror that Hooper gave us in the original, given that we do see glimpses of it in the sequel. If you're into one of the most absurd horror comedies ever made, this will more than likely be for you. But if you're like me, and looking for Hooper to return to his Texas slasher roots, you may walk away being as underwhelmed as I was. That being said, I'm excited to review the third film in the series, Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which seems to be a return to the horror tone of the original. I will also be returning to my original series review schedule of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre review once a week. But in the meantime, that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit. I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.